We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Still just little trickles here and there, but we've got a few little extra juicy talking points towards the end, so stick with us, Nets world. Yeah, not any major updates, but hopefully our topics at the end keep you entertained. As always, check the buzz on all streaming platforms. But Jack, where do you want to start? Nick, we'll get back to Mr. Windy. What does that even <laughs> mean, uh, Brian Windhorse? He gave. Uh, he's been given, obviously, probably been one of the major reporters on the Kevin Durant stuff, and he said the Nets are not aggressive in seeking trade partners for Kevin Durant. Nick, what what does that wording mean? What do we take from that sort of summation? Yeah, I think you can look at it probably from multiple ways. I think you know, like we kind of discussed in the last show. Maybe the Nets aren't as eager to trade Kevin Durant as they wanted to seem. You know, maybe they want to try to convince Katie we made an effort, but the deals aren't out there. But also, I think the Nets probably want to maintain a point of leverage. You know, they don't want to seem desperate in terms of trying to move Durant. They'd rather see teams try to put aggressive offers towards them, as well as just, you know, they're not really being much to change. You know, we know with Toronto not really wanting to include Scotty Barnes, Phoenix not having enough, and Miami not having enough, and, you know, some of the other potential suitors maybe not sure if they can convince Katie to stay. We've heard a lot of different factors in terms of, you know, reasons why teams don't want to trade for Durant. One being they'd have to give up a ton. Would that make them still one of the top teams or the top team to win a championship? Also Durant's age. Then also the fact is there's some concern of keeping Durant happy in your organization. Yeah, look, then the I think that the non-aggressive thing is sort of just like, all right, well, then you guys make us an offer. I think the yeah. Nets are sort of being like, okay, well, we've got the asset that you guys should want. Yep. So you guys come to us. And I think Windhorse mentioned that, you know, some people are making calls, but it's not the Nets that are ones making the calls about moving Kevin Durant because they're probably, if I'm sort of to, to forward think or infer, it seems to me that Sean Marks and, and the front office are probably going, all right, Let's go to all these teams and let's go, okay, you give us this or no. Cool, we'll hang up. So, And obviously we heard things about, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards and, and all these sort of different things. And they're probably asking for Scotty Barnes. They're probably asking for Devin Booker. They're probably asking for Bam out of bio and, and, and everyone else and Jimmy Butler. And if they're not giving them that, then Sean Marks is like, all right, well, then I don't care because ultimately we need to get a fair trade in return. And 
the, the and, and and he's hanging up the, the the phone and i think that is within his right and within the the right of the franchise so i i think that it's 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 not really the biggest of news but it just shows you that the nets are sort of I mean, it's 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 limbo of sorts in terms of the, the front office with Kevin Durant, and I know that you and a lot of other smart nets people are like, all right, come on, let's let's get this sorted, guys. Let's Sean get on the phone with KD. But then there's other talks about the fact that Kevin Durant has continued to be, you know, incommunicado, incognito, as as I've mentioned on previous sort of podcasts. But we've seen you know, him working out and and those sort of things. We'll touch on a, a few of those little things. But I guess the non-aggressiveness is. Positive-ish? I don't know. I don't know. I really Yeah, don't. I think a way you could look at it being positive is the Nets set their price, and they're being stubborn about that price, and you should be. It's Kevin Durant, and obviously, like we've mentioned a thousand times in the show over the course of the last three weeks, is you know this is a move that's going to determine the future of the franchise for the next five to ten years based off of what happens with this specific you know, deal, you know, if, if Katie stays, if Katie leaves, what are they getting in this package? How can they bounce back and also not only bounce back on the court, but also change the perception of the franchise? Because right now it's pretty damn bad. Yeah. Look, to further your sort of um, thoughts there, you know, Brian Windhorst said this when he went on um, NBA today, Kevin Durant's price is so high that nobody can afford to pay it right now. Everybody is waiting for the price to get lower. I'm not hearing anything changing as far as the demand phase of this process. And I think that it is, like I said, stubbornness. Sometimes with, with Joe Sy and Sean Marks has, has gotten them in a, in a spot of bother. But in this case, you know, if it means that you get to keep Kevin Rand, you maybe get a chance to smooth things over with him, then that, that is a good thing. And I think that stubbornness in this context is stubbornness that is warranted. Yeah, you don't want to cave and take an offer that's not suitable and not up to standard and, you know, not up to the market value of Kevin Durant. And obviously that's something hard that can be dictated to, to dictate at times. But again, at the end of the day, Katie was a top five player last year, and it looks like he will be for at least the next season or two. Yeah, in saying that, Nick, as well, I sort of alluded to Kevin Durant's communication being, quote, sparse, uh, according to sparse best. It's sparse, yeah? I think so. It sounds right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, I don't know, maybe Windy's got his own language. You know, he's, he's become a meme king. He's just making up words. No, sparse is obviously a word. It means that it's been sparing. So the obviously, Kevin Durant in general, you can just imagine Katie's like, yeah, I'm not responding to your text. You can imagine him doing that to like his best mate, let alone to his employer. So, and we sort of, when it makes me think back to the time when we heard from, you know, Christian Winfield and reports there that, you know, Kevin Durant hasn't been in contact with the franchise and stuff, but we have heard that the franchise has reached out to him. That's stuff that we've sort of reported. So there's only little tricklings and murmurings that we're sort of giving here. But do you think that the incommunicado, incognito nature of KD is anything to read into more than, you know, what we've already sort of given our opinions on? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to really know because obviously we're not going to have that full understanding of what kind of communication is there. You know, you've heard on different podcasts or just the way the the sports world is, guys are hiring these agents and business partners uh, at a huge price, and it's so they don't have to deal with these things. You know, the communication is most likely going through Rich Kleiman and then going back to Kevin Durant and then them having a discussion about it and KD kind of letting him know how he feels and Rich going back to the Nets or whatever it might be. We don't really know to the levels in which they're communicating. It doesn't seem like it's very high, though. Regardless, it's not like we're getting any leaks like progress has been made or Katie's considering rescinding his request. I think those are all things that maybe won't happen maybe for another month. 
when it gets to a point where the Nets really understand that, like, hey, we are going to probably have to bring KD and Kyrie back. You know, at this point in time, you could still look at it as like a leveraging perspective. But I think as you get closer and closer to the season, it becomes a more and more likely scenario. And that's when it becomes apparent that Joe Sy, Sean Marks, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and even probably Ben Simmons need to get in a room and discuss what to expect for this next season and what the plan is, how this could best work out for everybody. I mean, it's almost been a month already, Nick. June yeah, 30 three was weeks. when, yeah, three weeks that Kevin Durant made this trade request. And boy, has it been a fun three weeks for Nets fans and <laughs> Nets podcasters all around the world. A lot of ups and downs. <laughs> a lot of ups and downs, mainly downs. I'm not, yeah. I don't know how many ups you're thinking of, Nick, but there might be. Well, like, I mean, I think there's a little ups. Well, when you first got the request, it felt like everything was gone. And now, based off the reporting and how things have kind of played out, there's at least a chance we'll get to see Katie suit up for the Nets one more time. And I think that's something as a basketball lover and NBA lover that you could appreciate seeing one of the all time greats suit up in your uniform or your favorite team's uniform and hope that they'll stay. But at the very least, at least get a couple more moments to enjoy. Yeah, Nick, I was watching sort of this like kids news thing with my <laughs> students the other day and there was, I love providing personal anecdotes <laughs> on the podcast and apparently the other day there was the the tightrope championships, like walking the tightrope and I think it was in Sweden. Walking a tightrope is basically daily Nets fandom. Like it's yeah. just like, all right, I'm about to fall off. Oh, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving going, oh, okay, I've, I've held it on. Kevin Durant's going to stick around for another week or two. Sean Marks is actually going to make a move for TJ Warren or whatever. It's just like, Walking that tightrope, it's um, it's dangerous. It's fun yeah. sometimes, but it's goddamn dangerous. Yeah, and obviously a couple, you know, people on Nets Twitter probably fall, fall, falling off that tightrope a couple times, given this whole situation and how it's played out. But like you said, it's just it's kind of a constant thing. You don't want to get too high, you don't want to get too low. You just have to keep that steady balance in terms of maintaining focus and just kind of waiting for the result. I think the best thing is just to almost have no expectation. Yeah, I mean that that level of zen, Nick, is 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 an aspiration that I don't think I can achieve. I know you've you've got it probably in in a few more spades than me, but the the goddamn Brooklyn Nets are giving you toothaches, and they're, they're forcing <laughs> you to go to the goddamn dentist. So I don't know how you're still remaining, you know, all Dalai Lama over there, my guy. But I, I respect it. You know, you've probably got like endless amounts of sage that you borrowed from from our guy Kyrie Irving. So maybe but it's in just sa- the pain meds, no. <laughs> but yeah, maybe it is, mate. Maybe that's what we need to get on. Um, look, I'm not going to get go down that road. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
But in, in saying that, Nick, there have been a, a few little things here and there about opposing teams. And the Miami Heat, and this is via uh, Mark Stein, the Eastern Conference team is all in on scouring the league to try to manufacture extra first-round picks to boost their chances of a trade for either a Brooklyn star, of the Brooklyn star, or Utah Jazz star being Donovan Mitchell and Kevin Durant. Do the, do the Miami Heat have any semblance of a package, Nick? I've seen packages around there for Kyrie Irving that make more sense, but do they have anything? in the realm of possibility of getting our guy KD. Yeah, it seems very unlikely. Obviously, they're not willing to probably trade Bam, or if they are, it creates a complication for the Nets because Bam and Ben Simmons can't be on the same team. So that would really be their only avenue. Obviously, we've seen these ridiculous reports from some reporters on uh, NBA Twitter stating that the Heat think that they can get a first-round pick for Duncan Robinson or all of these things that obviously aren't really plausible with the contracts they have and the value they have on the roster. So without moving Bam, I don't see there being a viable scenario for the Nets you know, sending KD to Miami. And I think it makes sense for Donovan Mitchell because I think yep. the Utah Jazz are going to be prioritizing picks, whereas we have heard that the Nets prioritize at least getting some version of a young up-and-coming player, yep. a young star, quote-unquote, over picks because as much as you know the picks can turn into stars, I think that given in a, a package of return for Kevin Durant, you need to have, as you alluded to when you said about the Phoenix Suns, eight to ten picks or like an unlimited amount of picks to go, all right, so we've got ten bites at the apple, and if this apple isn't gone and we don't get a star, then you know we might uh, need some more of uh, Nick's pain meds. But in <laughs> saying that, is that even realistic? Probably not. So I think that the realistic packages that we've talked about, we haven't reported them, but the ones that seem most realistic, you know, Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, Brandon Ingram, Jalen Brown, these sort of guys. It's if that's not coming in return to the Brooklyn Nets, to the Brooklyn Nets, as I alluded to, Sean Marks is probably going to be hanging up the phone. Yeah. I think they're pretty stubborn on what their asking price is. And that asking price is having a young centerpiece, you know, either a current all-star or a future all-star, you know, and that's why I think it's just really not feasible for the Heat. And again, like I said, it seems like the Nets are rolling with Ben Simmons moving forward, given all of the social media propaganda and his activity and, you know, what he could potentially be down the line and where his value's at. So unless, you know, you're trading KD to Miami and Bam's getting sent to, you know, Toronto for Scotty Barnes or something like that, it just doesn't really seem like a likely scenario. I think the Miami thing is great for those fans to kind of come up with hypothetical ideas, but they're really just never going to have enough unless they're willing to really make a huge change to that roster. And that just doesn't seem likely given what Bam and Jimmy Butler mean to that team and their entire identity and culture. And also the early reports that Katie wanted to play with Bam and Butler if he went to Miami. I hate to make you answer this question, Nick, but out of the two teams that, as you alluded to, Kevin Durant, has put out there that he would prefer to go to. Obviously, varying circumstances. We just talked about Miami. We've spoken extensively about the Phoenix Suns. Out of those two, who do you think has a better package? Who do you think is more likely? Obviously, the John Drew Aiden stuff, he can't get traded until January. If we were to revisit this and talk about these two teams again, is there something from either team that could be of requisite return? 
Yeah, I think you could argue that Phoenix could probably do a little bit more when it gets to the deadline because they can move Aiton to another team or maybe Aiton plays really well and now the Nets have some interest in him and what he could be. But just given the whole complication with Bam for Miami, I think that almost eliminates them. And again, they don't have all their picks where Phoenix at least has the luxury of having all their first. I think they have all their seconds too. So they could get wild and they could do some different things and really try to make that full-on push. Where And it also seems like Phoenix is the true destination for KD where Miami was kind of just thrown into the list to kind of be another team. But Phoenix seems to be, be where he really, really wants to go. So I think that'd probably be where I would lean, not because KD wants to go there, but because they could probably offer a better package. They have more flexibility to work with other teams to come up with something creative. No, I, I think I'd probably you know copy and paste those thoughts exactly. Because like, In what's term- good on Miami? Like, you know, like Tyler Hero, it, I think that's getting into a situation where you're really unsure if you want to give a guy like that a max contract and what he can do. There's some potential, you know, limitations to his game given his athleticism and his potential limitations there are limitations my guy you know i don't i don't ever like to cap a young player like he could turn out and be really great and obviously he's very polarizing in terms of what some people think he can be and what some people think he can't be but i'm not necessarily a huge tyler hero guy myself no i i need a better hero than tyler for my brooklyn nets let's put it that way give me brandon ingram scotty barnes jalen brand someone else that's going to that's just a better player and has better yeah. upside. And yeah, he had a good bubble series and he was like the Phoenix Suns player. Devin Booker had people comparing him to there, but I think that was more of an aberration. I don't think he is a Devin Booker type. I don't think his ceiling is is at that stage. Whereas you know, Andre Ayton, is he, could he be a top five center in the league or yeah. whatever? Again, I don't, I think that both teams packages are poor because of the fact that what you would be losing, but I guess in, in saying that, Nick, the other team that sort of seemed to pull themselves out of the race was the Golden State Warriors because Bob Myers spoke to NBA.com and he said, quote, I like our team and where it's at. I want to give the guys a chance to do it again. And then Mark Bedina of the website who had the interview with him, he said this. In other words, don't expect the Warriors to reunite with Kevin Durant. So I think that Andrew Wiggins, Kaminga, Wiseman, Moody, the picks and everything. Cool. Pool, uh, sorry uh, for, for mentioning, uh, not mentioning the pool party. Look, there's a, it's an intriguing-ish package. We've discussed it enough, but I think that now we can cross Golden State. Any more future Golden State discussions off the list, given that Bob Myers himself has said this. And you can infer, I like where our team is at. We're not going for KD. Yeah, and I think, again, it's another complicated scenario given the Andrew Wiggins extension and then obviously Ben Simmons' contract and that being another complication there. And again, obviously, KD going back to Golden State would create a ton of drama and how that would all kind of work out given the departure and all that. And I never was really expecting that trade to go down. It felt like more of, oh, let's kind of throw some ideas out there to to build up some hype. We know there was a little bit of credence to it, but it was more so just sniffing around rather than actually making a proposal or really getting interested. Yeah, and I think that I've sort of spoken about, you know, having more, you know, people in the pool. I'm trying to think of like an an analogy of like more people at the party. That's probably a a bit better than people at the pool. Um, More just voices and and more teams that are, are willing and want to trade for Kevin Durant only increases packages around that. So losing Golden State, you could argue for the fact that, okay, well, that means that why would New Orleans want to trade Brandon Ingram? Why would Toronto want to put Scotty Barnes in a package? Why would Boston even think about including Jalen Brown? Losing it, just having another team to sort of drive the price and the trade value higher could be construed as a bad thing. 
But as yet, again, conversely, I've said this on other podcasts, you could say that because this is only cleaning up and, and drying up the market, it means that Kevin Durant is likely to be in Brooklyn. In what capacity? That's something that you know I have no idea about either. Yeah, I think the capacity is going to be dictated by the willingness of you know Joe Sy, Sean Marks, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and like I mentioned, even potentially Ben Simmons. And you know, do these guys want to make it work, or is everyone going to kind of go in there stubborn and with their ego and have an unwillingness to kind of settle things and you know find a situation that's best for all parties, at least for this season? Like we've kind of talked about, maybe it's just one more year, run it back, or maybe it's discussing it and trying to you know, build something moving forward in terms of, hey, we'll give Kyrie that extension. You know, let's let's try to work on this for the next two to three years and see what happens. And if it fails, it fails. But at least we gave it a fair shot, because even at this point in time, you know, being a Nets fan and what's kind of gone down the last two seasons, you still haven't really felt like this team has had a full run at the postseason, at least being healthy and having a full season to prepare. Obviously, 2021, we had the whole, you know, James Harden get injured in game one, Kyrie get injured in uh, game four, then KD tried to carry against the Bucks. Then we go to 21-22, and we have the whole vaccine situation, James Harden demanding a trade, the team being is extremely banged up and missing multiple, you know, having multiple weaknesses on that roster going to the postseason. So, like, this year could... Could they get everything on track and set up a roster that's set to contend? I think they really can, given the talent they already have. But a lot of that's going to be based off of egos and emotions. Yeah, I think Zach Lowe did a good job of sort of reporting those contingencies that you alluded to, those circumstances that did arise where it's just like there is so much potential within the Nets over the past two seasons, but the potential has been overridden by circumstances beyond their control, some within their control, obviously Kyrie Irving's vaccine stuff, injuries here and there. There's some things you can't control, can't control. But in relation to Kevin Durant, Nick, and, and sort of, you know, bring it back to the Rudigo Bear stuff. This might be something that we did say, but I was trying to find little tidbits here and there. Jake Fisher, friend of the pod, uh, he said in one of his articles for Bleach Report that the Nets aren't training Durant for a package lesser than Gobert. So I I guess the premise is, Nick, that teams need to provide a four or five first, you know, if you can counting Walker Kessler as sort of like a first round sort of pick, and then you add in, you know, a youngish sort of talent and Mikhail Bridges ain't that guy. It's It's got to be someone of, of a higher caliber. Yeah, I agree. And I think, it, like you said, Jack, it kind of reiterates what we've discussed in the past and the understanding of, you know, the, the Google Bear trade could potentially save the Nets from themselves in terms of not trading Kevin Durant. And as we've discussed in the past is Katie's likely going to be the greatest net to ever suit up, at least talent wise or all time wise. And that's not something you want to trade. Even if you have a sour taste of the previous season, I think there's still a reason to be excited about what potentially could happen moving forward. And like we've discussed, I think the way the Nets have handled the situation has just been very poor. You know, being so player centric and player happy and trying to cater to all of their needs. And then in the matter of a month or two deciding, hey, we want to be stern. We want to take the franchise back. There always has to be gradual change. If you expect to come in there and drastically change things it's most likely going to be sour and not work out. And that's been the case over the last month. Yeah, it'd be like us completely changing this podcast and calling it the Brooklyn Brigade or something. <laughs> it's just like, like it would make no sense. And I start speaking with like an Irish accent or an English accent or a Scottish accent rather than Australian accent. It's just like, it's just not going to work. Look, it yeah. might, like, I, I, you know, who knows? There's like, expectations. 
there's there's expectations of of having an Australian accent on the Brooklyn Buzz, and you know whether it's Jack Fisher or Kevin Durant, I don't know if that was English or Irish or Scottish. I'm, I'm never doing that again because it says it's as bad as what how Sean Marks and Joe Sy have been handling this. But in saying that, Nick, we did get a little bit of a tidbit from Dave McMenamin, who is a, a Lakers reporter. For those that aren't aware, uh, on the low post, and he said, "quote this in relation to Durant and Irving." There is a school of thought speaking to people around the league that they think that Kevin Durant trade request wasn't actually about getting him out of Brooklyn. It was about getting Kyrie Irving out of Brooklyn. What do you think? I think that seems like a Lakers leak. Um, Obviously, we know the relationship Katie and Kyrie have. I think if that was truly the case, the Nets would have been more than happy to to answer that request. Obviously, we've heard the reports of Josiah being unhappy with Kyrie Irving, not only this season, but last season as well, with some of the absences and all those different factors. So if it was as simple as, you know, trade Kyrie and Katie will be happy and stay, I think the Nets would have easily answered that request given their relationship and how that whole negotiation went down. Obviously, they'd love to get some type of value for it, but if you know, you know, your best player still committed to the team, it wouldn't really matter. And like we mentioned a million times, those guys have a great relationship. And we know that from watching them on the court together, off the court together, and also just different pieces and projects that have been written about them in the past. Yeah, and and exactly. And I think that, look, KD could be frustrated with Kyrie, but I think Dave McMenamin is basically a Lakers beat writer. And, and you know, he's a LeBron. Strong ties to LeBron, yeah. Incredibly strong ties with LeBron and Clutch. So it's like what we say about Woj. Where's Woj getting net shoes? He's getting it from Sean Marks and maybe Joe Sy. Where is Shams? Where is this guy getting news? Where's Brian Lewis? Where is Christian Wynn? Like, where are these guys getting the news from? Sometimes where they're getting it from is as important as what they're reporting. And what he's reporting seems to me that it's to benefit the Lakers in their pursuit of Kyrie Irving. Cause it's just like, what we're just going to, and and look, you know, they, they still, it still might eventuate given you know, the craziness of, of this off season. But I guess a, a general thing I wanted to ask Nick, cause I, I saw this being discussed and I thought it was a, it was a worthwhile discussion to have. People were discussing about whether the, the trade actually should be made because if Kevin Durant remains disgruntled with the Nets franchise and the trade still ends up eventuating in 12 months time, hypothetically, then Kevin Durant's value will Kevin Durant's value dip if a deal isn't made this off season or hypothetically before the February trade deadline. Yeah. I mean, you could make an argument. It will, he'll be a year older, a year less on his contract. And, you know, maybe he doesn't have his best season or maybe he deals with some type of injury or something. Knock on wood. Obviously we don't want that to happen, but I think it's unpredictable. But at the same time, I think you have to maintain a level of leverage and understanding you need to get a great package for Kevin Durant because there's still also that chance if you bring him back in the season successful and you guys win some games and have a deep playoff run that, everything might be fixed enough that he still wants to stay. And obviously we know Kevin Durant's focus is playing basketball and playing at a high level. So if things go well, it's in my opinion, it's almost worth the chance to run it back one more time in the hope that you can correct things. But again, this has to have the right mindset specifically from Joe Sy and Sean Marks and also even a willingness from the stars to accept, hey, maybe this could grow into something and maybe we could fix this. And obviously winning fixes a lot of things and that would be the hope. So like I said, it could also save the Nets from themselves. Yeah, and I think that February seems to me that it probably is the deadline for it only because if there is this one, 
by that time, the Nets could be absolutely flying first in the East. No injuries. Kyrie Irving's balling out at an All-NBA level. Kevin Durant's playing MVP-level basketball. We've got Ben Simmons healthy, fit, and firing. And it's just like, all right, Katie's like, all right, cool. I can win a championship here. I'm going to stay around here. I still get to play with my guy, Kyrie Irving. He's happy here. I've got some ties here. I'm investing in new things at Joe's. The Joe size, what was it? Joe size lacrosse team or something, Nick? Uh, premium lacrosse league. So Joe size, I think, is in, invested in multiple lacrosse leagues. But this is one that I think he was an early investor on. And Katie obviously just put some money in there as well. Not sure if, if that has any relation to their relationship. But obviously something to just at least mention. And I think it, it relates to our mentioning of it and how it pertains to Steve Nash because they had yeah. shared dealings and your research on, on that world was pretty top-notch. So, look, I, I think that the value would dip. I think that, as you alluded to, this isn't 28-year-old Kevin Durant. This is 34. Heading into the season will be 34-year-old Kevin Durant. And as much as I love him and as much as he is a goddamn freak of nature, the Slim Reaper himself, he ain't getting any better. Like he's going to yeah. be as good as he will be. It's just how long can he maintain that dominance? Can it be for one year, two years, three years? Yeah, obviously, we're seeing some pretty uh, uh, remarkable things from LeBron, from Chris Paul, from people in other sports like Tom Brady and such. So that's something to keep an eye But February seems to me like it could be that point, Nick. And I will say as well that I don't think that the Toronto package of Pascal Siakam, Gary Trent Jr. and everything isn't going to be off. Is going to be off the table by February. Because if, if that allows you to get Kevin Durant at a sort of cheaper value, that's probably the best low-value deal that is that is there. Or Because I think that deal is better than Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, such because Pascal Siakam is a, a fringe all-NBA player and has ranked number seven in the OTG top 50 before in, in seasons past. So yeah. I've been personally hiring him, as has our guy Corey Waldron. So I think that February is that deadline. and But I also do think that Teams aren't going to take a deal off the table if Kevin Durant is still producing at that level for the coming months and the early months of next season. Yeah, I think you could even argue that maybe at the deadline you might be able to get a team to be more aggressive because they think that they're so close and adding a player of Kevin Durant's caliber can push you over the top, even if you are further away than in years past. So it, it, you just have to be open and you know have the correct mindset. And again, like I said, I think a lot of it is dependent on the personalities and how they look to manage it going to the season. You know, you know, part of me wonders if like there could even be a thing where they don't talk until training camp starts. Like that wouldn't surprise me given how the Nets have handled this whole situation. So a lot of mysteries in terms of all of that. And again, you know, we've heard even some reports from maybe not the most consistent sources that Katie and Kyrie are almost expecting to come back to the Nets, given how, you know, this trade stuff has played out over the last couple of weeks. And ultimately, I don't think that like it would be the end of the world for them. Like they still get to play basketball. They still get to get paid a, a lot. They still get They're to play together. alongside. They're together. They're in a cool city. They're traveling around anyway. Like I don't think that it's not the ideal situation for them personally or for the team overall, but, you know, maybe that gets remedied in, in some form or fashion. So I will also, like, it's just interesting to see heading into training camp. Last year's training camp, I just think back to the fact that so many of the, of the players and such went back to one of Joe Sy's properties in San Diego or yep. Santa Monica or, or one of those sort of places. And, and you know, in 12 months, going forward 12 months, you know, in, in a couple of months' time, what, what is training camp? What does training camp even look like for these Brooklyn Nets? Because it's 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 anyone's guess. It's it's absolute chaos. But one thing I do know, Nick, is you go. I was just going to say it'd be interesting if we see any team building exercises over the course of the next month and a half. You know, even just 
a couple nets at a, a pickup game with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving or something along those lines. The only thing that we've really got is obviously Summer League with Claxton, Royce O'Neal, and Ben Simmons. Like, do we see any interaction between some of these other players on the team with Katie and Kyrie? And it could be as small as Cam Thomas working out with them or one of the younger guys, David Duke Jr., whatever it might be. So just something to kind of keep an eye on. Obviously, I think if we saw that, it would give us a level of positivity because we know that Katie and Kyrie at least like majority of the team or there are guys on the Brooklyn Nets roster that they do enjoy spending time with. So I think that's just a, a very minor note to keep an eye on. Yeah. We heard David Duke Jr. Say, you know, some pretty glowing things about Kyrie Irving and, and, and the whole, and the season overall, despite, you know, his vaccination status with that. And then we also heard from Nick Claxton at summer league saying like, you know, Katie and Kyrie, you know, it's unfinished business, you know, we've got work yep. to do all that sort of thing. So, you know, and they could be saying things to certain people that we don't know about. There's things behind the scenes that we aren't privy to. But one thing that we have been privy to, Nick, is a reiteration of the fact that Joe Harris isn't trade fodder. And that was reported again by Brian Lewis. First time we heard it from Zach Lowe himself, you alluded to the fact that Joe Harris has appeared on the low post. Brian Lewis has reported some things around uh, Joe Harris, his agent, as well as his his injuries. Joe Harris seems to be in the good graces of Sean Marks and the and the Nets team and the Nets franchise overall, Nick, which is good or bad or indifference <laughs> either way or, or, or what else? Yeah, I think this was kind of always apparent to us, you know, given that most of the reports that had Joe Harris in trades as a salary dump were reported from typically non-net sources, you know, mentioned some Lakers stuff, Chris Haynes, whatever it was, it wasn't reported from the net side. And I think this is kind of like a rebuttal from the Nets leaking like, hey, we're not looking to drop Joe Harris. He still has value to us, and we hope he still has value in a trade in case there's another move to make down the line. That's it. I've got you know nothing really to add to that. Should Joe Harris have been traded already if there was a, a right deal on the table? I just hope that Sean Marks can remain objective, which yep. is I don't know if he is, given the Paddy Mill stuff as well. I've had plenty of thoughts about that, but it's probably a discussion for another day, given that we've only got about six, seven more minutes till I have to go back and teach again. So we'll 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 get through a, a couple quick more topics, Nick. And I guess the first one is that Kyle Corbett is going to be heading to the Atlanta Hawks in a new front office role. Do you think this has anything to do with the Nets, Nick, or do you think it's just like a great opportunity with the uh, with his old franchise? Yeah, I think it's probably more so to do with a greater opportunity. And obviously, I think he's you know has is his home is in Atlanta, and obviously he was only a consultant for the Nets. He wasn't necessarily working full time. And if things aren't looking pretty in Brooklyn, and your former franchise is offering you a, a significant position, you're probably going to take it. So I think both sides play a factor, but it's more so better position in a franchise that he's obviously well-respected in, in a place he's very, very familiar with. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say that he just doesn't want to be around for the fact <laughs> that he has to improve Ben Simmons' jump shot. Look, that's uh, a little bit mean, but... You know, maybe... I mean, they also could look at it as a great challenge. I mean, if he improved Ben Simmons' jump shot, that would make him a historical shooting uh, coach. Wasn't it like Chip England or one of those shooting coaches Well, the guy from New Orleans is like now on the market? Like if you're... I think the Spurs that... Spurs guys, yeah, I think that's Chip England, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that if you're Joe Sy, and like in the past, he, he's been shown a willingness to pay, you know, the, the coaches and stuff. Give that man all the money that he wants to, to our team so we can just have shooting, shooting, shooting. And, and if you want to work with Ben Simmons, you know, we'll give you an extra $500,000. But discussion for another day. But a, a discussion that's worth having, Nick, and it's sort of been reported by people that you know we have our issues with in terms of some of their reporting and the consistency of it and the reliability of it. But do you think that diversity within the coaching ranks of the Brooklyn Nets is an issue or, or could be an issue for, for Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, Nick? Because 
you know, Igor Kokoshkov was hired, you know, obviously European background. Adam Harrington's gone, even though Kevin Durant was seen working out with him today. You know, all those little things about, I guess, the general thoughts on the coaching thing. You can give me a discussion point about the Adam Harrington stuff. And then the fact that, you know, Ime Udoka is in there. I think Jacques Bonne is obviously still with the team. But in general, do you think that that is a point worth, you know, that worth any credence? Yeah, I think it's something to at the very least address. You know, obviously the coaching staff is majority white. And obviously, like you mentioned, it's, you know, internationally white as well. It seems like that's at times been a priority for Sean Marks. Obviously, we don't necessarily have the knowledge to speak on something like that in terms of having all the information. Like you said, it's been reported potentially from some sources that aren't necessarily super locked in. But at the same time, you can kind of just look at the evidence and see how that could be a frustrating thing. And I think it's been a frustrating thing in the NBA in general, you know, in terms of head coach, head coaches, assistant coaches, front office guys. And it seems like there's also a little bit more unknown with what's going on in the front office, given we don't necessarily have the same level of access. But, you know, I think it's at least something to mention, you know, obviously because of all the things I just relayed right there. What are your thoughts on it, Jack? Look, I... I think uh, as a an Aussie white dude, speaking about diversity can sometimes seem a little bit rich and, and a bit naive. But if it is an issue for players within the franchise, whether it's Paddy Mills, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons or whatever, if it's an issue for them, then you know I, I, I would listen to those voices yeah. because I think those are the voices more than mine and yours that are worth listening to. You know, It doesn't really matter what Joe Harris sort of thinks. You want to go, okay, do we actually have the inclusivity? And also to that fact, you know, black coaches within the NBA, African-American coaches within the NBA have been having a tremendous amount of success of yeah. life. And the diversity has been increasing within head coaching ranks and, you know, higher rankings within the, the coaching level. So I think that it's not just a, a, a tokenistic sort of issue. I think it is something worth discussing, but I don't preach to know, you know, enough about it. But I think that listen to the voices that do matter within the Nets franchise. And those are the, are, are the diverse voices that need to be heard. Agreed. You know, especially we get a report from potentially a, a bigger reporter, you know, if Shams is releasing something that seems like it's, you know, leaked by Kyrie Irving, then obviously that gives a little bit more credence to this idea. But like I said, I think you could look at the staff and you can understand why people are disappointed, not even just the players on the team, but other people who are part of the Brooklyn community. You know what, Nick, I'm going to save the final question because I think it's a, a, a question that's Probably needs a bit more deep diving, and you know who know who knows how much content we'll have over the next couple of weeks. But I reckon we discuss your topic that you've brought up, as well as the topic that we got from our Nets Twitter community, the Brooklyn Buzz Twitter community, on a future episode. But a good pod as always, my friend. Yeah, a, a great pod, Jack. Always appreciate you. A big thanks everyone for listening, and make sure you check the Buzz on all streaming platforms.